Welcome to the Golf Under Par podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. Today's session is a compilation podcast or episode where I've gone through and taken snippets from previous episodes regarding the mindset and the mental side of the game. I've had an awesome time and the privilege of, of kind of re-listening to these episodes and listening to these experts talk about about the mindset and about improving your performance on and off the course by controlling your emotions and by understanding the principles that behind performance. I've picked out some some conversations that I've had with three experts for today's episode. Those experts are John Taylor from episode 18, where he goes on to discuss mindset and failure and practicing mindfulness. So that's who you'll hear first. And after that, you'll be hearing from Brett McCabe from episode 42 and Kent Osborne from episode 46. Obviously, you can check out the full-length episodes in order to better understand where these conversations are coming from and better apply some of them because a lot of them go into further detail or give tips on how to practice these specific topics that they're talking about. So hopefully you find this helpful and hopefully you enjoy this, particularly around the mindset. Probably be doing another one here in the future because I have a few other episodes that I would like to get over and cover to give to you guys. And yeah, without further ado, here's the first one. I'll introduce the next guys as they come along. John Taylor, first off, talking about mindset, failure, and practicing mindfulness on your day-to-day basis. Enjoy. The the mind is when you when you speak to golfers, especially at a, a really high level, or even just amateurs, people competing. It's something that we don't practice enough. We, you know, I I know a guy who works with Formula One drivers, and he said something on a call a couple of weeks ago about how much of your driving ability and how much fitness do you do and how much do you put into your nutrition and how much do you put into your training. But before that, he asked, how important is the mind? And they said, oh, it's really important. It's, you know, it's, it's probably the majority of it. And when they broke it down, they were practicing more about their fitness. They were doing more about their nutrition. They were doing more about their driving. So when it comes to the actual crunch, they were actually only spending probably about 10 or 15% of their training on the most important element. Mm-hmm. And golf, as you know, as an individual, it's up to you, that responsibility, that onus. And I have people coming to me and I ask them what their pain barriers are. Where do they want to be? Where do they see themselves now? And where do they want to get to? From A to B. And we structure a plan around that. Their needs. And I see myself as more of a guide and a teacher with my practices. People are so interesting about how their stories and why they got into the game and what they can do in the future. And golf really is just a great platform to look at somebody's life, both on and off the golf course. So what is their relationship like? What was their upbringing like? I actually trained in NLP therapy, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And the neuro part is how you learn. The linguistic part is about language. So what kind of words do you use? I can't play that shot. Okay, straight away, you're not going to play that shot because you've told yourself that you can't. 
if you just change one word in your element of your language, you will get a better response and a better feedback. And the programming part is, is around behaviors, emotions, about what we do. And because I trained in NLP and ex-military and done a lot of training and coaching in, in my army life, I've, I've sort of had that to be able to bring to the table. And the response that I'm getting from my golfers at the moment are, it is not sports psychology. I'm not a sports psychologist. I haven't trained. I don't put myself out there as one of them. I put myself out there as doing mindfulness, meditation, practicing. And the mindset, the importance of that is, um, I just believe that if you understand a little bit about your character and your persona and your presence, and how you can build resilience from within and be empowered and make mistakes and, and really look at failure as a, as a success as well and understand the value of failure. The golfer I've just been working with at the moment, he's, he's off plus two, plays at a really high level. And one of the first things we spoke about was, what do you value about failure? And he never really thought about that before. And we had a, a good half an hour conversation about what that means that when he doesn't win. And if you look at that, the success and the rise and fall. Everything rises, everything falls, you know. we The universal wave of life, which Dr. Joe talks about a lot, that when you're falling, you've got to, you've got to remember that things will rise. So momentum shifts. Well, you, in golf, how much does momentum shift? You, you could walk off with a birdie and hit a nine out of bounds on the next hole. That is a complete contrast and shift. How do you deal with that situation? How, how do you physically respond Life is about responding to situations. And I have, the last 10 years, I've been practicing a lot of Zen stuff and Buddhism and Shambhala Warrior stuff, which Dr. Joe's introduced me to as well. Yeah, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And sometimes they're the same ones we were having the day before and the day before that and the day before that. But our thoughts are linked to our state. And if our state's doing something, it releases the emotion and then we behave the emotion. So when we're happy, we behave happy. When we're sad, we behave sad. And by being able to get rid of the mind clutter, you are reducing all of that. And and, and, and you can get really good at it. So I say to golfers, practice becoming mindful off the golf course. And they say, what do you mean? I'm like, well, even when you're just sitting, having your tea, even when you're just standing on the ground, become present, anchor yourself to that moment. And you do not have to be meditating to be mindfulness, to, to practice mindfulness. But the more and more you can do it for two or three minutes an hour for every waking hour. And by the end of the day, you might have done 10, 15 minutes of being mindful. So that when you start to play golf, it's like your subconscious just starts flicking back into that state and you're like, I'm ready. You know, because it's you're out there for four hours. You cannot be like that for four hours. It's it's tiring. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, you cannot be uh, to be to be fully focused for that long period of time. You've got to be able to learn to to switch off a little bit and sure. look at the surroundings. <laughs> Taking taking a deep breath, you know, just just relax your posture a little bit. Breathing's a huge part of being able to anchor yourself to the present. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Taylor. I really just love the idea that we don't do enough to really work on our mindset, and he gives some really great tips there at the end to discuss 
just how we can start including that into our daily lives, really being focused of where we are in place and, and what's going on around us and just using short period of time when you're brushing your teeth or eating dinner to really just kind of focus in on that so that you can gradually build up your ability to get into focus quickly and and stay focused for for at least a short duration of time moving on to brett mccabe now from episode 42 of the podcast he discusses with us about grinding in life and on the course and changing our mindset our expectations in order to more enjoy and improve our performance you know one of the things that i try to do with my players is i try to level set them right and one of the one of the worst things not worst things one of the funniest things that you get as a psychologist is hey doc you probably never heard this before and it's like no dude every day every day <laughs> Okay. It's very hard to shock a, a clinical psychologist. Okay. I've heard over the 20 years, people's worst, scariest, whatever. And you go, that's, and they go, that's normal. That's really normal. Like, yeah, it's normal. Oh man. Okay. Well, what they also think on the opposite side is, oh my God, you know, I should make every eight footer. Well, the PGA tour averages is 50% on the best screens the best balls with the best equipment with the best putters in the world really systematically they make 80 percent of them but no no no. you at your club or dad for your junior should make every eight footer but tiger woods doesn't make all his average is 50 50 um a pga tour player wins 80 percent of their income in five events a year but dad mom your kids should win every tournament they're in and they should never have a bad day because a bad day means their coaches or they don't have it or they're mentally weak. When in reality, the truth of the matter is it's really freaking hard. It is so hard. It is so difficult. And as you go higher up the mountain, the expectations, which what we look at get more difficult. And we have to be aware of what it takes. We have to be aware of the difficulty that's out there. And so those unrealistic expectations that we have and those challenges that we have in our experiences make it very, very difficult. And what we have to do is instead of getting caught up in this world that I call Suckville, which is this unrealistic expectation that we're always falling short of our potential, is that we have to be aware of what we're doing is really hard. And we have to commit to our process and instead engage our mind to be more grind-based versus more validation-based. We are in the grind. I, I talked to one of my players as we're recording this. The U.S. Women's Open is going off today. And I talked to one of them and I said, you know, your biggest flaw, and I love you to death, your biggest flaw is you think that every day should be the greatest expression of your ability. No, every day is the most average expression of your ability. And we've got to go out there and embrace. It's just like, I've never even thought of that. Like, I never thought that my average is how I should play. I'm like, I want you to fully commit to every shot you hit. I want you to compete like hell. I want you to battle. But at the end of the day, it's going to fall into your scope as a regular round of golf. And I had a podcast I did with the band director at the University of Alabama. It was the most insightful podcast. It's the most quoted podcast I've done with my PGA Tour players. He said, every day you got to play, every day you got to, to blow in your horn, whatever you do in your life, you think it's going to be your best day. But it, your best is defined as the once-in-a-lifetime experience. Why would you want to blow it today? And I was like, man, what a great idea. Like, that is beautiful perspective. And he's right. 
the biggest thing to do is you have to understand as players, life, anything. Like you and I go to work, uh, and let's just be let's just be frank. Your patients don't know if you're not all there today. Okay, and I don't mean that to mean that you're unsafe. That's not what I mean. But if you're distracted, you're tired, you stayed up late watching, a, you're, you're on the final episode of a great binge on Netflix, and you're a little tired, and you go in there, and it's like, I'm going to coffee it up. I can get through today. Nobody's going to know the difference. Yeah, okay? Mandalorian for me. Mandalorian. Okay, I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I haven't gotten into it yet. Right, it's good. Um, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you go out there, and, and as a player, you go out there, and they assume that they're going to have 100% of their capacity every single day. They're going to be, their abilities that they've trained are always going to be there. There are things that you did in, in physical therapy school that you've never done again, ever. And there may be an illness and uh, there may be a affliction or something that somebody comes up and you're like, yo, dude, I hadn't seen this since I was in training in a book. Okay. But what you do is you don't go, oh, I'm such an idiot. God, I should have, I should have known that and known exactly what to do. Well, that's exactly what golfers do. They prepare they think they've got everything in their preparation ready. So when it presents themselves in a round of golf, they think they should have had the answer. And the reality of the fact is you're not going to have hundred percent of your abilities every day. You may not like the people you're playing with in a competitive round. You may like, I woke up this morning, my ankle feels like it's got something going on in it. I don't know what it is. I've got one artificial hip. I've got another one on the way. Um, I'm a wreck. That's why I hate to work out. Did I already say that? And, and so you, you do all those things, right? And you get out there and it's like, you, you think, oh, today's going to be the best day. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm having to kind of hit little skinny cuts out there because I don't quite have my ability to move. Okay, nothing wrong with that. That's what I've got today. Great players maximize what they have each day, not fight what they don't have. Most players chase what they're missing. They sit out there and they work it, they work it, they work it to try to find it. This is important in life, too. We have got to start taking what we have every day and making the most of it. We love how real Brett gets there and just lays it out that there are days where you just don't have it. You just don't feel very good. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of a job or what what your activity that you're doing is. Some days you feel better than others. And it's a matter of learning to just get through that day whether you had lack of sleep because of kids or because you made a decision to stay up late or, or whatever. And, or it could just be, you know, body aching or bodies is not quite cooperating as well. As you get older, that seems to be, be more of the case. It's what I deal with almost on a day to day basis in the clinic with, with all my patients. But that is what we can learn to basically get the best out of what we do have each and every day. And, learning to be okay with that and just love that conversation learning more about that go to check out episode 42 uh brett brett dives a lot more into that and we also get into something that wasn't in the little snippet there about mental health and the effect on today's society with social media and you know some of the the covid issues since that was recorded back in in 2020 moving on now to episode 46 with kent osborne talking about acceptance and staying neutral on the course to improve your performance. Enjoy. And, uh, and then I also, uh, you know, sat back and said, look, you know, how can I, 
how can I take my experience as a, as a, a performance coach and apply that uh, to golf? Because I found that the, as I mentioned earlier, that the, the standard approaches to, to golf psychology, which work really well for the pros, aren't as, uh, aren't as good for guys like, uh, like you and I. Uh, take, for example, the, uh, the idea of a pre-shot routine. Well, you know, you can read, uh, you know, you can read any book on golf psychology or you can read Jack Nicholas's book, Golf My Way. And somewhere in, I think it's around page 72 or 76, Jack talks about that he would always create a mental movie in his mind. He would see the ball where it wanted to, where it wanted to end up. He would, see the, he would see the trajectory of the shot. He would see the whole thing in his mind. Well, that's fine for Jack. But when I do that, if I'm 160 or 70 yards out, and I've got, say, a six iron in my hand. How many times am I going to hit the? How many times am I going to be able to pull that shot off? Maybe once or twice out of ten. And I've got a low handicap, so 70, 80 percent of the time, I'm going to put an expectation in my mind that I'm not going to be able to fulfill. So there's a big difference between use the pros using the mainstream golf psychology and us using the mainstream golf psychology because what i want to do is i want to enhance my ability to execute shots and i want to enhance my enjoyment at the same time it's that it's a combination that we talked about so i decided that i would uh you know look at what i what i had learned in uh in my in my coaching my performance coaching and i adapted that to my golf and basically what i what I came to realize was that your mental game mastery uh, evolves in a, in a sequential way. In other words, you, you have to build certain, in the same way that you wouldn't take a 24 handicap and say, let's go out on the range and learn how to hit down a knockdown seven iron. You, you don't want to start working on your pre-shot routine unless you have the beliefs underneath that to support it. And you can't develop the belief to support it if you're continually sabotaging that with negative reactions to, to, uh, to your shots. So there's a, there's a sequence that you have to follow. And once I understood that, it, uh, it really made a big difference for me. I could kind of build my mental game. And, and, as I, and in the same way that I attempted to, I looked at my physical game and I said, okay, you know, like, what do I need to do to break 80? What do I need to do to get into the mid seventies? What do I need to do to get around scratch? Uh, what do I need to emphasize or focus on? So, uh, and I think that's missing. And the reason why I want to write the book is because I think that's missing. You could, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Look, you know, the, the first step in the sequence from my point of view, at this point, I'm calling it acceptance, but what really it boils down to is you, you have to stop shitting on yourself on the, on the golf course. I mean, because if you understand how the mind works, if you have a, 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 a disappointment or frustration or anything like that after a shot, which is quite normal, but when you put, put language on top of that feeling, what you're doing is you're signaling to the subconscious mind that this is important. And you're continuing that, that story for yourself. So every time I say, uh, you know, my putting sucks or keep your head down, you idiot. Or, or even, even if you, if it's, how did that not break left? How did that not break right? All of these things, you know, I hit it fat. I hit it thin. They seem like they're innocent on the surface, but what they're doing is you, is you're anchoring your subconscious to a story. 
and the subconscious will function in a way that, that, that will promote or maintain or continue that story because um, that's what it's, that's what it's designed to do. Now, maybe I should, maybe I should break in here and say one of the most important things you need to do, I think, if you're a really keen golfer, again, if you're a casual guy, you, you want to play a few rounds a year or whatever, then that's, that's cool. You're not keeping score. You're just hitting the ball. But if you're into it, the way that way I got into it and the way you're into it, likely you need to know, you need to have a, have a working model of how the mind works. Everybody says, oh, the mental game's important, but if you said to them, how does the mind work? And so to me, the, the, the simplest and most useful way to think of the mind is that you've got, you really have three minds. You've got a conscious, you've got a subconscious and an unconscious. And if you think about the unconscious mind, what's that? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the intelligence that allows your, your heart to keep beating and, you know, your food to digest and all those, all of those uh, physical processes that happen that you're an expert in. I mean, that's, that doesn't take my conscious mind to get involved in that. Well, one of the, one of the primary things about the unconscious is that it's, it's, it's hardwired to make everything a habit whether it's the way you brush your teeth or, or the way you stand or the way you sit, it, it, it wants to make everything a habit. And why? Well, because 500,000 years ago or a million years ago, you know, habits take up energy. I, sh I should say consciously thinking about things takes up energy. If you can make it a habit, like driving a car, you're not using mental energy to do it. So a half million years ago, the more energy you could preserve, the more likely you were to can, you know, help the gene pool out. It was all about preserving energy back then. So now what we need to understand is that your, your thoughts, your patterns of thinking and your patterns of feeling are also habits. And the oldest and deepest part of your mind wants to, wants to continue those, whether you like them or not. And so I will... You could go into any clubhouse in, in, in the world and you could sit down with a bunch of guys that are keen golfers and you could say hey why do you belong to this club or why do you play golf and they'd all say the same thing i play for fun i play for recreation i like being outdoors i like being with my buddies and then you go tee it up with them and when you go tee it up with them at least half of them are going to be you know they're going to be crapping on themselves they're going to be commentating all the time about what they've done wrong they're going to be they're going to be disappointed and frustrated when they hit a shot. So if you were to sit back and watch them, you would say, "What's going on there?" Well, they're caught up in an unconscious habit. They're caught up in a mental pattern. And so the first step towards mental mastery is you have to break that pattern. You have to literally stop it. You have to discipline. You have to understand why you need to stop it. And understand biochemically, and you'd probably know this better than I would, but biochemically, what happens when you let yourself get frustrated? I mean, you get this, you get this cortisol goes into your system. It does a couple of things. One, it shuts off your ability to make decisions because the blood flow goes away from your prefrontal cortex and it goes into your body for the fight or flight. So when I get allow myself to get pissed off after I miss a putt, you know, if if I have a if I have a tricky shot coming up in my next hole. I'm not going to make quite as clear a decision as I would have had I not been pissed off before that. So that's a huge thing. 
true. I mean, and, and if you watch the pros, like I mean, one of the probably the best example of this that I can think of with Jason Day when he won the PGA Championship. He's playing on the final day of the of a major. He's never won a major yet. He's you know obviously he's completely and utterly invested in it. He's playing with Jordan Spieth and Jordan, it was either the year or the year after Jordan had that incredible run. So Jordan's kind of the man at the time. And he's a shot or so ahead of Jordan. Jordan hits his ball into, into the junk. Day hits it on the 13th or 14th hole, something like that, right down the pipe, like 350 yards, right up the middle. He's got a sand wedge in his hand coming in, dead center of the fairway. Spieth manages to somehow get it on the green and, and uh, Jason Day hits a shot. He lays the sod over it. He hits a sand. He hits a wedge that I would be pissed off about. He's 20 yards short of the green with it. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. Now, if that had been most of the guys that I play with, they'd be pissed. I would have been in the water. Yeah, they'd, been, they'd have been, you know, they'd been bent out of shape in an important round of golf, right? Right. Jordan, uh, not Jordan, but uh, Jason Day, he looks over at his caddy, shrugs his shoulders like, what the hell is that? Walks up to his ball, walks up to his green, gets up and down, moves on and, uh, and, wins, and wins it. So to my mind, that ability to be, you know, to remain neutral, the, the, the most important thing that you can do for your mental game, I believe, at our level and maybe at the pro level too, is learn how to stay neutral. Most people think it's, oh, I got to learn how to be more positive. I got to learn how to think more positive. I got to learn how to be, you know, say affirm affirming things to myself. And I've got to learn how to be a, a, a more focused on my target. Yeah, all that's important, but it's down the road. Job one is learn to be neutral. Because, and especially for us, we, I can't think of a round of golf that I'm going to play where I'm not going to screw it up somewhere along the line. Yeah. I'm going to make a miss hit. I'm going to, I'm going to, do, I'm going to do something. And again, as a club level player, my handicap's pretty low, but I'm not going to play a perfect round of golf. So, you know, that ability to be neutral, that ability to understand what it means to be neutral and that ability just to shut the hell up when you make a golf shot, that's not, that's not good. That has a profound impact on your ability to layer on these other skills down the road. What's so interesting about a conversation with Kent is his progress in his own own game. He didn't touch a club most of his life, picks the game up in, in his later years, and within a couple of years finds his way down to scratch. And he kind of talked a little bit about that, just picking away at a bit at a bit. And so much of it was finding more enjoyment out of the game. So he wanted to continue to play, but also managing those the the mindset to become better and managing the emotions to not affect each and every shot. I, he goes into a lot more tips and, and discussion about that with the episode. So if you want to catch more from Kent, go check out episode 46. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun uh, listening to these ones again and kind of pulling out what I found uh, interesting and, and appealing and helpful for, for my own game and, and my own thoughts. A lot of them I've, 
I, I remember as I'm listening to him, like, oh, I wrote that down and I completely, completely kind of forgot about that. So I'm hoping to kind of imply this, uh, apply this back into my own personal life and, and my personal game to, to improve and play better. Right? I've been on this, this uh, kick of, of trying to just be a better player and uh, obviously a better human. And, you know, kind of a, what a, me and Brett's conversation about just the day-to-day life and grinding it out and having good and bad days and, and understanding that being down on yourself uh, for not remembering something and, and whatnot doesn't, doesn't really help the situation. And you can't expect to be perfect all the time and remember everything that you've ever, ever learned. And this was a great example of me going back through these videos uh, and these podcasts and listening to some of the conversations that I've already had and we're going, Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's just amazing how much insight you get on, on doing something like that and really just kind of thinking it over in, in your own lives and, and really just being mindful of, of who you are and what you need and what, what will make you a better person uh, on and off the course. But that's it for this episode of the Golf Under Par podcast. Uh, grateful for, for all you guys that listen. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. It helps get this to more people. If you haven't given a review, please give me the review. And those things are the things that will help others to find this podcast and help me to help more people just like yourself, help more golfers to, to not only be better on the course, but be better people, be better human beings. And I think that's kind of important in, in our lives. And hopefully you guys want to share this with others. And I'm very grateful for all those that, that do listen on a regular basis and that have shared and have given the reviews. I appreciate it very much and it, it helps me. I don't get much out of, out of this podcast except for the knowledge that I learned from these experts and I want to share it with other people so that they too can, can gain some more insight from, from these experts and, and the minds of, of those that work with, with some of the best players in the world and that, that have amazing experiences to to share with us and that are willing to share with us on on something like a podcast that's for free so thank you guys and have a great day